Have I had my mullet yet? For last episode, no, no I, I hadn't. It's yeah. If if anyone can hear the difference, I have a mullet. Nika has a mullet now. I have turquoise hair now. Yes, Anya um, looks like um, Kate Winslet in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and I I feel like Kate Winslet in Eternal <laughs> Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, I <laughs> kind of look like Amy Adams in Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> <laughs> Hot Meaning cheek. that I still look like a mom. Yeah. <laughs> and hot. And hot. Um, yeah. Try as she might for some roles. She can't help it. She's always hot. She's always hot. <laughs> always hot. She's like, I want to be taken seriously as an actress. I'm going to look ugly. And it's like, you literally can't. Yeah, so good luck with that. You still look gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I mean, who else does that? Um, Margot Robbie also mm. is like, what if I was ugly for a role? And it's yeah. like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Even when she, I watched um, Mary Queen of Scots recently, and even in that, no, know, still hot. Like halfway through the movie, Queen Elizabeth gets uh, smallpox, and it's like she's still hot, <laughs> even with smallpox scars. Yeah, I mean, good luck. You know, <laughs> we, we're taking you seriously. We are. You're just still hot. Yep. I'm. I'm so sorry yep. that that's your cross to bear. That is such a cross to bear. <laughs> it's one that we also bear. Yes, it's one that we bear heavily. It's so heavy. <laughs> that gorgeous, gorgeous cross. Mistakes. Ow. That gorgeous, sexy, chic cross. <laughs> Jesus is listening like, hey, can you guys not joke about that? <laughs> to hear what else we think is too serious to joke about. Listen, listen to the Patreon, to the Patreon episode. <laughs> listen to the Patreon episode. <laughs> Um, we draw some lines in the sand. Yeah, I mean, we had an iconic party this weekend we in did. honor of my solar return. We did. Um, we did. Honestly, we, um, one of the best nights of my entire life. We brought friend groups together. I mean, we truly did. We like yeah. successfully. Silly. Like, listen, anyone who has had multiple groups of friends that like don't really hang out but like yeah. have been around each other before like you know that this is no small feat and, yeah. we brought our two friend groups together and they loved each other and yeah. got along i was talking to one of our friends about it last night or two nights ago and they were like just they were like raving about the fairies yeah which was just so Same. beautiful to me yeah one yeah. of <clears throat> one of uh, our good friends, when I saw them at Nowadays nonstop on Sunday, they were like, I have to say, you just like have a really beautiful community of people uh, around you. And it was like so nice to be there for it and to like get to know all of them better. Um, I love that. And I'm just like, I know, right? We really did that. We did that. We did that. Um, I would love to drop a tutorial for you all, but I think the, the key is just to have not one unlikable friend. Yeah. <laughs> just have like really cool, great, like community oriented people around you. Yeah. Just have people with like wide open hearts and, um, and like, that was like one thing when one of my friends arrived and didn't really know anyone, I was like, okay, I know that this is a, an intense thing to put on you, but like I encourage you to talk to literally anyone at this party because yeah. everyone that's here is the nicest person I've ever met. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then later they like came back over to me and they're like, I have to say, like when you said that, it sounded like something that kind of anyone would say about their friends, yeah. but you're not lying. <laughs> All of your friends are the nicest people I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I know, I know. I don't know how I came to deserve this after 
um, friend group after friend group after friend group of just kind of like people that I'm like, do you actually like me? (laughs) Yeah. No, that was in my days. That was my favorite part. One of my favorite parts of the night was just I felt very um, proud mom in many ways. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Of me? Yeah. And just of our friend, you know, just of not and this is not me being like I'm taking credit, but just knowing that I was like so intent on introducing you to the fairies Mm -hmm. and them loving you so much. And then you and us, you and I being so intent on introducing the fairies to this other friend group. Yeah. It just made me feel very um, blessed and proud mom. Yeah. Part of my goal had been reached. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like I knew that it was going to be a fun party. I like was really looking forward to it, but I also sort of had like, not low expectations but like no specific expectations of it like I was kind of just like you know what the people who like show up I know are gonna fucking show up and the people that don't I'm not even gonna like worry about it I'm just like here to have fun and like eat some good food and dance to some good music and whatever happens happens and at one point at the party I like had this very surreal moment that I was like damn this is like I, like, I should really take stock of, like, what is actually happening right now. Yeah. Like, all of these people, like, not only are they fun, cool, hot, sexy, chic people that have, like, allowed me into their orbit, but they're, like, actively showing me in, like, huge ways how much they love me. Yeah. And I'm not just, like, tangentially... I'm not just like tangentially like invited along with the hang. Like I'm like a celebrated member of the hang. Yeah. Um, And that was a surreal moment for me after like, you know, when I first met these people, I just sort of felt grateful that they like wanted me around at all. And I didn't, I didn't really ever think that like I would become like fully like part of what, yeah. With both friend groups. With yeah. with both friend groups, I felt totally. this way. Where I was like, damn, thank you so much for like inviting me along. Um, yeah. And I never really had any expectation of being like a central like figure and member of like the crew. Yeah. And not only am I with one of them, I am with like both of them. And like both crews showed up in like totality you know like everyone in both friend groups was there yeah and nobody had like some bullshit excuse as to like why they couldn't come or a legitimate excuse as what as to why they couldn't come like everyone was just fucking there it was crazy um and you know i don't say all this to like brag or think that i'm like so amazing it's more just out of gratitude and like after really never ever having felt that way in any other context in my life yeah And I've seen a few posts online, like specifically on, I think TikTok is where I have the most access to like younger people than on pretty much any other platform. Um, So I've seen a lot of like college students, like people who are currently like 21 ish talking about how they sort of feel like they're outside looking in, um, in like, you know, in terms of people who have like really amazing friendships or really amazing um, friend groups or really amazing romantic relationships or like an incredible career blossoming and they just sort of feel like they're like uh, an extra in their own life yeah and that like everyone else has like something figured out that they don't and I sort of just like I still feel you know that not every part of my life is like complete or anything but I do feel like I've like really built a life 
where I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. And um, I just kind of like encourage anyone who feels that way to like know that it's like not too late. No. Just because you're like around people who are your maybe your same age um, who have like these like major sources of fulfillment in their lives that you feel like you don't have. Like I felt that way for a really long time. Um, And I still do feel that way in like certain areas of my life. But like having this community that I that we have built around us and that we're also built before we ever even came. But, you know, that we've that we have added to the building since joining, Mm -hmm. um, I think, has like made all the difference in how I feel about like every other part of my life. Yeah. And I didn't have it until pretty recently, relatively recently in my life. And yeah, I just like, if anyone's listening to this and you just sort of feel like, damn, I'm never going to have that. That's just like, I encourage you to um, know that that's not true. Yeah, no, same. But it is something that you need to prioritize the way like our culture kind of prioritizes everything else. Like it's something that you need to put work into. Yeah. Um, You know, these like senses of like friendship and community don't just like come out of thin air. Yeah, you have to be committed to just making it. Not making it happen, but once you have it, actually tending to those relationships. Yeah. Because it's so easy to find friends and feel like you found friends and then just kind of do nothing to keep it going. It's like all relationships you have to tend to. Yeah. You have to take care of. Yeah. And it's also like you need to like know which relationships to tend to. Yeah. I think that's been kind of key as well is that like I used to sort of just like invest so much in people that weren't investing in me. Yep. Or, like, maybe they were investing in me, but for the wrong reasons. Like, I, like, looked up one day and, like, realized, like, oh, damn, this person was, like, they just wanted, like, a certain opportunity that I had more proximity to or, like, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, And, like, with these friendships and these relationships, I just do feel like um, everyone in our community has been super um, intentional about, like, only catering to and tending to the friendships that like give back not only to each other individually, but to the community as a whole. Yeah. And also I think it's really important to know which relationships um, to like acknowledge that there are relationships that you need to like stick it out with. Like, it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's not, not, it's not about just abandoning people when they're not serving you. Quote yeah. Unquote, like you can be, obviously like you can be angry. You've heard us be angry on the podcast <laughs> about friends, but it's like at the end of the day, you know, I think it's a very, we're like very anti cancel culture in this community. Yeah. I, I have come to realize, which I love. Like, yeah. It would be very easy for us to like cancel people because there's a lot of us and a lot of us have very strong, wild, crazy personalities. <laughs> there's a lot of drama that happens, but it's like I've never seen anyone be kicked out unless they like really needed to be kicked out. But yeah, it's, like, it's almost like the the like everyone is um, invested in each other's growth as human beings. And like in order to uh, experience like the fullness and like the positive sides of like building this kind of community, you have to also acknowledge and be there for each other's flaws as well. Yeah. And in order to like really be there for someone in their growth, you need to really be there for them in their faults. Yeah. And sometimes what's best for someone in their growth is 
being cut out yeah like temporarily that, cutting them out yeah, yeah like you gotta go figure your shit out but that's like such a last resort in this yeah. community and like yeah people might need to vent or bitch about something but nobody is ever like fully betraying anyone or yeah. like no one is like wishing for the worst in each other and like that was something that was so beautiful about my party is like seeing certain people that would normally bump heads or n- normally like you know they have like they're in community with each other and they acknowledge that, but they don't really fuck with each other individually, which yeah. there are what that's also what's kind of nice about this crew is that like, there's plenty of space to not really get along with individuals, yep. but you need to like, just know that you share community with them and that's okay too. Yeah. Um, but like seeing those people kind of like give each other proper chances to show growth and to yeah. show that they're like, um, committed to like, eventually even if it's not in a we're gonna be best friends kind of way but just like eventually right the wrongs to each other yeah is just like a beautiful thing to witness after um i don't know i think i think a lot of us have had the experience of being in like much more toxic situations where um like a, a kind of like one strike you're out policy yep um and sometimes that in itself in the long run is good for you um, because if like those are maybe people that you shouldn't have been investing in in the first place. So if they're going to yeah. cut you out, like that's a gift sometimes. But also, you know, the the way that we like treat each other in our community reminds me of this quote in Downton Abbey. Um, sorry, I'm being a <laughs> faggot right now. But it's in season three of Downton Abbey where uh, Lady Mary gets into a fight with Matthew the night before their wedding because she realizes that they have like different, severely different worldviews. And she's like, well, I can't marry him then. And so she's crying to her maid and she's like, doesn't this like, doesn't, doesn't this mean to you as well that like we shouldn't get married? Like, don't you see what I'm saying? And her maid, Anna says, what I see is a lovely man who loves you. And men like Matthew are not like a bus. Another one's not going to come along in 10 minutes time. And that's how I feel about, you know, I feel like that's how we all feel about our friends. Yeah. You know, yeah, a good a good special person is not just going to come along in 10 minutes time again. So you can't just cut people out. Yeah. Permanently. Yeah. And that's also, you know, it's I think another thing that I really like about this crew is that that's not um, encouraging anybody to swallow their feelings or ignore when somebody like hurts you. It's just like that. That's something that we deal with in ways that are outside of like. Um, We're very Italian American in this community. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, yeah. really reminds me of my family. <laughs> yeah, family, my family. blood family. <laughs> yeah, family, family. <laughs> All right. Period. Sin, period. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Go squash it. Uh, yeah, I know. It really warms my stupid little heart. Yeah, my um, to hear more. There, there's you know, there's some little behind the scenes uh extra salacious details of my party and to hear more about that listen to the patreon episode you can listen to the patreon episode but um headlines are that it was incredible and i'm so grateful to have made it another year so so grateful to have been born on this sick and twisted weird little planet (laughs) and to have found these sick and twisted weird little people on this weird little planet um and i'm so grateful that out of all the people that i could have such a beautiful soul connection with it's people who know how to party as fucking hard as our friends do um 
Yeah. One of our best friends, um, Siler, at one point, we were like holding each other at my party and we were saying like how grateful we are to have been on this planet at the same time as each other and like how how lucky that is that we found each other. Um, you know, just being gay. And then he was like, you know, like, cause we always like to remind each other of like, anytime something is going like amazing, but also anytime like things are going less than ideal, we like to be like, well, think about your 12 year old self. Like yeah. could your 12 year old self even imagine this fucking life. Like, yep. and like how thrilled would they be that this is what our lives are like. Yeah. Um, and so he was like, how's your 12 year old self feeling right now? Like, how does she feel about this party? And I was like, you know what? My 12 year old self couldn't even imagine, like wouldn't even know what, how to like wish for this party. God, even my 23 year old self. Yeah. Even my like 23 year old self wouldn't have like been able to even imagine the life that I like, have the now. The fact that I did not meet, you know, half of this crew, the fairies <laughs> until I was 24. Wild. Like, this yeah. has only been I mean, my life since same. 2019. Yeah. Cuckoo. Yeah. It's um pretty crazy. So anytime I'm feeling like, damn, I wish that this, this, or this were different, or like, I wish I could just get my shit together in this department. I'm like, you know what? There's like, at least this part of my life. Yeah. Um, Like, as long as this is true, and like, I have like the friends and community that I have, everything else... Everything else can be like a fucking forest fire and I'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, hopefully not. (sighs) But that's also what's nice is that when you have community, it's really hard for your life to go that wrong because you have all these people that like have your back. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And we all take turns being the back havers or being the ones who need someone to have our back. And that's so special. I feel so bad for straight people. Like, what do you guys do? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel bad for straight people. I feel bad for capital G gay people. I feel bad <laughs> for anyone who's not queer. Our, to our friends walked in and looked at the charcuterie <laughs> board and like looked at people DJing and just like were so mesmerized and Goose like, Goose's eyes like filled with tears and they just looked at me and looked at Kevin and just went, just like pointed to everything and just went, I just love being queer. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no, like this is very capital Q queer. Yeah. For (laughs) context, we had a like nine foot charcuterie board on our friends, like enormous dining room table. Two cakes. (laughs) Two cakes, two rotisserie chickens. (laughs) Um, One of our friends who does like professional lighting. For like clubs. For like clubs did like the lighting in like our friends like loft apartment. It looked fucking so professional. Every video people took of the party, I was like, is that really our fucking party? Yeah, it looked crazy. Oh, it was crazy. (laughs) And then we had seven DJs. Yep. That played from like 9.30 p.m. until um, like 6 a.m., 7 a.m. maybe. Um, Yeah, actually, because even after they were done like doing sets, they were still like kind of like putting on songs on the on the decks. Yeah. And um, we got a noise complaint, of (laughs) course, which is how you know it's a good party. Yeah. Um, and there was like a room that was like dedicated to like just cuddle puddling. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like, I just love that. Like we know ourselves so well that we were like, okay, which room do do people can go separately? Just like be quiet together and cuddle puddle. And even, and our friend who does professional lighting, shout out to Caleb also set up like perfect lighting for that room with like stars and like waves against the walls and it was like it It was was just like how the fuck is this this our life Mm. 
Nika and I both threw up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's we how you know did. we partied hard. One of our friends was like, what really made um, watching you throw up for me was just seeing you throw up with socks that had slut written on them. <laughs> <laughs> we partied like it was 2012. We did party like it was 2012. I mean, you know what? We partied like it was 2010 and original Four Loco was still yes, up. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that is what we partied like. Absolutely. Go listen to last week's episode if you haven't already. <laughs> yeah. For the, for the um, oral history of Four Loco um original formula um and then you know not i'm not gonna like drop any names or say that this made the party better or worse but it did like it was like crazy to me at one point i looked around and i was like there are people attending this party that like went out of their way to come after like work or whatever that are like actual new york royalty yeah (laughs) like actually like kind of somewhat famous people yeah. that are like, we have to make it to Anya's party. Yeah, it was very sweet. And like came like after 4 a.m. despite having just like worked their asses off at various gigs. Yeah. Um, And like, I don't think that proximity to like legends or whatever, like actually matters because yeah. these people are all people that I just like really value as friends. Yeah. But it was another surreal moment where I was like, yeah. if even 23 year old me knew that this is my life. Yeah. She'd be like, what, what the fuck? Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. And the, even the people that DJed my party. Yeah, like I was like, you guys are, you agreed to do this for free. Yeah, and you're like donating your actual like thousands of dollars worthy talent. Yeah, to just like celebrating my punk ass. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was it was truly a sight to behold. It was sick. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Um. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, all right. So like, can we throw a party again for who? <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, your pussy party is coming up now. Oh my god. Tr- oh, we're gonna do that again. Okay. Yeah. For, <laughs> for sure. Okay. I Mika's want pussy anniversary is coming up. I want that to be another house party. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sick. <laughs> cool. 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 I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And like. Yeah. Five years. <laughs> five years with a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous pussy. pussy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. At one point, one of our friends came over came up to me and was like how does it feel to know that you just threw the party of the weekend in new york city and Mm -hmm. it was invite only seriously (laughs) i was like stop but it was true my god um anyway list is closed list was closed (laughs) Closed, darling uh... um yeah i'm like i just can't believe this is my life and speaking of iconic iconic parties and me throwing them Parkside Lounge this Friday, yes. April 1st, um, the next Diet Zhuzh is happening with two of the DJs that DJed my party, yes. Who Girl and Babes the DJ. Um, it's going to be so fun. And the list is not closed. It is not invite only. So please go. Please go. Um, but yeah, anyway, shall we segment? Let's do it. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. I mean, my keepsake is my party for all the aforementioned reasons. Like that was signed, sealed, delivered, the keepsake of the century, I feel. So I'm not even going to expand on that. You just heard all the reasons it's my keepsake. Um, My heart will be glowing for years to come. (laughs) At one point, I did have like this weird like time as a flat circle moment where I felt both my past self being like, holy shit, is this your life? And also my future self Mm -hmm. being like, damn, we had fun, didn't we? Yeah. Like, and then my present self being like, this is one of the best moments of my literal entire existence. Yep. Um, So yeah, 
keepsake for sure. Um, I uh, my mistake, I guess, would be that I uh, drank on an empty stomach at the beginning of that party, and so for like an hour of that party, I was a little bit um, too nauseous and like the room was literally spinning at one point. Like I haven't had the spins in a really long time. Cause I'm not a big drinker. I'm famously more of a drug girl than a, than mm-hmm. a drink girl. Um, but yeah, having like, just don't like, I knew in the moment too, I was like, I should really be eating more before I pour myself another glass of Prosecco. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's sometimes a lesson we have to relearn. That's true. <laughs> don't drink on an empty stomach kids. You're going to have the spins for an hour at your own party and then throw up in a sink. Um, and I feel like there were some people that like stopped by the party, but weren't really there for the whole time. And like the exact time that they stopped by was the time that I couldn't re- like, I was mm-hmm. like a little bit out of it. Um, so I remember seeing some people that I never ended up really saying hi to or talking to, and they were gone by the time I felt better. Yeah. And I feel bad about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was my party. I have the right to get too fucked up if I want to, but I would have preferred to like, have not been I got it. drunk. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Being drunk is not like a very fun experience. Yeah. Buzzed is where it's at, if anything. But now I'm going to be sober for a month, not because, not in reaction to anything. I just was already planning on having like a last hurrah for my weekend, my birthday weekend. Mm-hmm. And then um, just clearing out for a minute. Um, and at Beltane, I'll return to my usual shenanigans. But yes. I am looking forward to just like being sober this month and, uh, letting my liver recuperate from this weekend. Um, My hot take. What is my hot take? I mean, my hot take is that Jojo is back in a big way. And if you don't, if you're not on that train, you better get on. First of all, listen to our episode about Jojo. If you haven't yet, Um, she had like a really shitty, um, situation happened to her that kind of took her off the map for a while and I think a lot of people just think that she quit or like took a purposeful hiatus but it was like not within her control that she was not making music for so long but she is making music again we just saw her live as like part of my birthday celebrations and that bitch can sing amazing like no one else um I think maybe one of the only other people alive that can like hit the notes that she can while like dancing sorry i pulled up the article that i'm trying to load for when we talk and it put that thing on anyway um i think the people the only people that can really rival her voice and performance abilities are like beyonce yeah and um like yubba and and alisa Alisa. (laughs) (laughs) so true bestie um yeah at one point she sang a Rihanna song and I was like, how disrespectful to have the voice that you have and cover a Rihanna song. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what love on the brain is supposed to sound like. <laughs> Got it. Okay. We are um, huge Rihanna fans here at this pod, we are, but, but like absolutely insane what Jojo did to that song yeah. with her pipes. So that's my hot take is that um, I already knew that I loved all of her new music, like her, her most recent albums that she's put out since coming back to music. I was already a huge fan of, but like watching her perform both the new stuff and the classics and then also multiple covers. I was like, it's crazy that we got to see her for $25. Absolutely. And it's, it was amazing. 
I really hope she, that she blows up again in a big way. But she also seems just grateful and happy no matter what. Like, she's just happy to be back in the game. So yeah. good for her. But that's my hot take is fucking get on board on the choo-choo JoJo train. Yeah. Um, also, PJ fucking Morton was a guest appearance at this concert. Yeah. I, like, couldn't fucking believe it. <laughs> oh, amazing. Your turn. Um, my mistake, same as yours. I, um, for all the effort that I put into pre and after care for drugs and to make sure that everyone was fed, um, all night and offering everyone five HTP all night. Um, I forgot to eat, um, and then drank on an empty stomach and threw up and felt sick for like a chunk of the party. Um, so mistake, um, my keepsake, the party, the weekend, but, um, you know, and I'm not going to say much because we've talked about it so much on this episode. My other keepsake is that I finally, a few episodes ago, like a month ago, I think, I mentioned that I was thinking of becoming a death doula, which kind of came out of nowhere. And then one of her besties, JT, who listens, put me in touch with one of his friends who is actually a death doula and um, has been for years now. Um, we've been trying to connect for the last month, but our schedules have not been lining up, but we finally spoke today on the phone, um, which was great because I finally got more insight into it and she's just super cool and sweet. Um, and she offered me a lot of resources. She's is setting me up with a death doula here in New York to get coffee with and talk with. Um, and so we'll see where that goes. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Felt, felt really nice to, um, put like some more time and effort into making this a reality however it takes shape going forward Mm -hmm. um and my hot take uh which i tweeted about um for context there's this like video of this super hot guy being asked if he would how much money he would suck dick for and um, he says that he would never suck a guy's dick but he's he answers the question being like well trans dick or guy dick and he was like, he because- also didn't even just say trans dick. He said, well, is she trans? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I also kind of love like that. There's like an assumption first that the first dick he thought of is a trans yeah. woman's dick. But go ahead. Um, and so he says that, you know, he'll suck a trans girl's dick if she's sexy for free um, and that he would never suck a man's dick. And anyway, me and just droves of the dolls on Twitter. He also because- said that he has sucked a yes. trans dick. Me, go watch the video, everyone. Yeah. Me and droves of trans girls on Twitter because he's just objectively hot. We're like thirsting for him. And so he was following all of us back. And someone I follow just like annoyingly like reposted this article that was written like three years ago. And the title is, I'm tired of celebrating cis men for fucking trans women. Um, and was like, ugh, like, oh my God, like get over it. Like who, like who cares if he like fucks trans women? And so my hot take is that. It's actually totally fine and completely normal to celebrate and or be excited when cis men, hot, cool cis men want to fuck us. Because guess what? We still live in a society where trans women get murdered every day by the men who do fuck us. And as long as there is a violent stigma attached to cis men fucking trans women, we should be celebrating... And just being excited over the cis men 
who choose to desire us in a healthy and normal way. And, and normalize it, too. There's nothing wrong with that. And you just sound bitter and stupid. And it, <laughs> it always comes from trans girls who, like, don't fuck cis men. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's fine. You don't need to fuck cis men. But for the droves of trans girls who enjoy cis dick, how about you let us steer the conversation? Yeah. You go fuck non-binary and other queer people. Go fuck other trans people. But for those of us who primarily fuck cis men, how about we call the shots and how these conversations happen? Yeah. And you fuck off and take a backseat. And, and it's save also your snarky not- tweets for like your alt. He wasn't being celebrated simply for desiring trans women. I feel like a huge part of the celebration was that he was talking about it as if it was obvious. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. And like, he was like, com- like, I think contributed like when people do that they're contributing to like destigmatizing and normalizing desiring trans people and like in the same way that people are like i don't know people often are like i don't want to celebrate the bare minimum and it's like yeah just because that should be the bare minimum and like it should be normal doesn't mean that it culturally is yet yeah so like it's okay to be excited when somebody's putting in effort to Make it that way. Yeah, I'm like, guess what? It happens all the time. Like, I, li- I, I had a fucking... My first boyfriend, and this was not that many years ago, wouldn't even introduce me to his friends and family because he, like, yeah. you know, the stigma. So it's like, until that is not a thing, then we're allowed to celebrate and be appreciative of. And also just, like, lust after the dudes who lust after us. Yeah, and it's also just, like, it's not like cis women don't have, like, the same reaction when, like, a hot celebrity says that they, like, prefer, like, people with blue eyes. And then yeah. everyone with blue eyes is like, oh, my God, like, look at me. You know, yeah. like, it's like, that's a regular reaction to, like, being attracted to someone who, like, expresses that they could possibly be attracted to you back. Yeah. It's just being like, oh, that's hot. The words of our friend Pierce, it's ugly girl behavior <laughs> to um, tweet the shit that this person was tweeting. <laughs> So, uh, and ugly comes from the inside, ladies. Yeah, and like, by ladies, I mean everyone. Tell me that you've never been <laughs> fucked by a hot cis guy without telling me that you've never been fucked by a hot cis guy. Like, <laughs> God, sorry, like God, get over yourself. <sighs> so that's my hot take. Love that. And also, hot take. Like he's hot. So that was, hot. That was his hot take. Anything um, that comes out of his mouth is a hot. I'm take. Uh, gonna tell him to listen to the podcast. And I'm also <laughs> gonna ask him where in Tulum he lives because I would go visit. We are on our way. We're on. I'm <laughs> packing my bags right now. I'm asking a friend to buy my flight right now <laughs> <laughs> to Tulum. Yeah, that Tulum, um, say it. also what's your sign? A few yeah. of my friends were speculating at what his sign was. And now I actually Leo. just want to know. Is he a Leo or no, is that your guess? That's my guess. Everyone's Def- guess. Everyone's guess is a fire sign. Yeah, definitely a fire sign. Leo or Sagittarius. I think he's. For sure. I think he's either fire or air. Um, maybe an Aquarius, just with some of the really annoying opinions he has unrelated to trans girls being hot on his Twitter. He's uh, he's very much into that like uh, being a, like it's easy to be a millionaire if you work hard enough. Oh, mindset. not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I was scrolling his Twitter to investigate if he was annoying or not, and, and I was turns like, out yes. Yeah. but uh, that's so okay. Hot. hot people get to be annoying. Yeah. It's the law. He f- he responded to me and this other trans girl lusting after him, and both of us have pussies. And I said that I would love to go back in time so he could suck my dick. And she was like, oh, my God, same bestie. And he responded and was like, thank you, Queens. <laughs> we were like, no, thank you, King. <laughs> uh, uh, th- th- I, like, imagine explaining literally any, any of part this. of what you just said to somebody who lives in, like, 1912. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What a time to be alive. What a time to be um, alive. <laughs> 
Ben Do- Shapiro, I hope you find this episode specifically. Oh my God, Ben Shapiro, would you suck a girl's dick? Um, I think the answer is probably yes, but you would never admit to it. Yeah, I mean, you want to fuck your sister, so. <laughs> <laughs> and you've never made your wife come. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why he's never made his wife Because come. she doesn't have a dick. Because she doesn't have a dick. Oh, Ben Shapiro, sorry. <laughs> but uh, no trans girl will ever let you suck her dick because you're evil. And also just ugly. I've let an evil, I've let plenty of evil chasers hit it <laughs> if they're hot. <laughs> yeah. Sure. sure. Um, ben Shapiro, come on the pod. Come just on the kidding. pod, Ben Shapiro. Actually, that would be so funny, but I don't. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, I just want to know. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I just, it, while it would be iconic, I just don't have it in me to like not um, deeply sigh at everything he would say. No, but that'd be the best part of it. Ventrero, come on, best mistake. <laughs> so. Bring your fan base. I think they'd love us. I do too. Um, fuck up of the week. Fuck up of the week. Definitely last night. But not that Will Smith. Okay, for context, we're recording this not when this is coming out. So by last night, we I mean know. the Oscars. Yes, by the Oscars. Um, last night for us. Um, definitely Will Smith punching Chris Rock in the face, but not him punching or slapping him, rather. Not him slapping him. He deserved it. And also, I think violence is funny. <laughs> but the Academy's response to it, which is now they're thinking about taking Will Smith's award away because they don't condone violence. And then also, just like every white woman on Twitter last night and today talking about how it was triggering for them to watch because it reminded them of their own abusive households they grew up in. Um, It's just like always white women doing the most. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't understand how somebody um, hitting somebody outside of their household on behalf of someone inside of their household has anything to do with the violence in your household. Like, that's just such main charactering behavior. Shut the fuck up. Literally shut up. Yeah, the mistake uh, was Chris Rock saying anything to put a black woman down in the first place. Yeah. Putting anyone down like that. Like, I know that Ricky Gervais, like, set a real precedent of, like, that Oscar hosts get to be fucking assholes. But, like, just because Ricky Gervais didn't get punched in the face doesn't mean he didn't deserve to. Yeah, I'm, like, um, really over, like, the snarkiness that comes with being an Oscar host. It's, like, very dumb. Like, Amy Schumer fucking calling Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, Dunst a seat filler. filler. It's, like, shut the fuck up. Like, these are, like, people that are, like, it's, like, they're one, you know, I don't give a fuck about the Oscars or the Golden Globes, but, like, I imagine that for actors and actresses who are there, it's, like, very important night to them. Yeah. It's, like, the one night they're being honored by their own industry. Don't be fucking snarky to them. Just like fuck off. Yeah. I mean, all that being said, I also do agree with Dax Shepard's take on it, which is like, these are people who are celebrated. So they're literally called celebrities. They're celebrated to an extent that is like way more than any average person could ever hope to be celebrated. And then that just isn't enough for them. And they have to like put these award ceremonies together to just like keep like be even more celebrated. I don't know. I disagree only because I feel like if I were famous, I wouldn't give a fuck what like normal people think about my talent. I would want that validation from the industry itself. Yeah, I mean, I still think it's a dick-sucking circle, to be honest, and not in a hot, fun way. Ricky Gervais, as you said, set the precedent. I'm just, like, overtaking that event and turning it into, like, the host turning it into just being snarky all night. Right. It's not really the vibe of the celebration. I personally don't really see anything wrong with, like lightheartedly humbling some of these people in like, cause this setting is literally like, even just by being invited, 
and being present. To me, it's like, I actually don't think that there's anything wrong with kind of like the lighthearted roasting that can happen. Like, you know, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler did it when they um, hosted the Golden Globes in a way that I sort of think was completely appropriate. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with humbling these millionaires. I don't. But the low blows are not just hurtful to the individuals that are receiving these insults, like making fun of Jada Pinkett Smith's um, alopecia is not just hurtful to her. It's hurtful to like anybody who deals with that. And it's also hurtful to like, I think black women as a whole that like, no matter what like level of success you reach, you're still getting like punched down at. I don't think that there's really anything wrong with like making fun of certain celebrities for like mistakes that they've made or like bad decisions or like or even the Kirsten Dunst thing it's like yeah that's like making fun of like things that have kind of happened at her more than herself Mm -hmm. but like something that is so completely out of someone's control and also like when you just like systemically have more power than this person is just like it's bigger than just the Oscars it's just like he would have gotten shit on for making any equivalent joke if he tweeted it, you know, but he did it while he had a microphone in front of like the most powerful people in the industry that he's in. And it's just like, it's also just been funny to see all the comedians are so fucking annoying. (laughs) Seeing every comedian uses as a reason to act like being a comedian is like fucking like hard work you're doing on like the front lines of like some fucking like cultural battle. Like, Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, all the people up. all the people who think that like the big takeaway is that like comedians like this was Chris Rock's like biggest night of his career and like he shouldn't have received like punishment for just like doing the hard work of like being a comedian. Oh, it's shut like up. Uh, just get over it. Like there's a few people that made the joke where it's like, actually I think it is good for comedians to know that it is always an option that you'll get punched in the face. If yeah, you say something seriously, <laughs> like, punch I, like, more comedians that... in the face. That's my hot take. Not us though. Not us, but punch more comedians in the face. We don't say anything punchable. So I don't know if that's true. I don't say anything punchable during my sets. Yeah, but on the podcast, whatever. <laughs> punch me, I'll punch you back because I'm not afraid of violence because I grew up in an Italian American family. So that's the other thing. Everybody's just really showing their fucking ass by like who grew up in like repressed waspy homes <laughs> with their takes on how like scary that was to watch. Yeah, and, like if you actually grew up in an abusive home, this would probably not be a big deal to you because when I saw it, I was like, Yeah, oh, that was like a weird vibe kill, but I was like, Yeah, like, okay, he just slapped him. Yeah, yeah. And, wait, am I Yes, but like also, you know, fuck, fuck off, like yeah. God. I, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think. Like I can that see like, the quesadilla maker on your fucking counter that you grew up with, with some of these takes. Yeah, I. I do want to make clear that I don't think that slapping or punching people is always the response no, that is necessary. Of course. But I also don't think that like Will Smith, I think Will Smith restrained himself, to be honest. He clearly didn't hurt Chris yeah, Rock. Yeah, he just slapped him. He slapped him and not even like, to, it didn't seem like that hard. Like Chris Rock, only his face moved. It wasn't like his body yeah. moved. And he immediately... He didn't even hold his face in pain. He was just still just standing there. I'm not saying that like that means it didn't hurt or whatever. But like, I just don't think that it was like um, 
what people mean when they say that like violence is not the answer, they're not talking about that. Yeah. Like violence is not the answer as in like maiming someone is not the answer. Also like some of the takes too, like went even further and were like women who have been abused, like know exactly like what someone like Will Smith is like, like when he'll like slap someone, like pretending like it's for your benefit. Listen, if there's any victims of abuse that are listening and like that happened to be like your abuser happened to like fit that description. Obviously there are exceptions to every rule. We're speaking generally right now and I'm not like, I'm not negating your experience, but like as far as like red flags for abuse, I don't think Will was exhibiting any of them. Um, Whatever. There's just so many moments of violence that have been celebrated in our society that are just, it's like so obvious and like insidious what the criteria are in this case that make people upset about it Mm -hmm. and i just find it weird yeah um same yeah i yeah i like i'm very curious to see what ends up happening i really hope will doesn't get his oscar taken away because i think he actually is one of the celebrities in our lifetime that is on his way to an egot yeah um and i love smith fuck chris rock anyway like i don't care he literally appeared in that ridiculous video a few years ago i was thinking about this on twitter because somebody was like what else is the beef and it was like or you know somebody was like why why is everybody like why is no one defending chris rock right now primarily like in like on black twitter and i guess he appeared in this video a few years ago that was like a bunch of white comedians and like white white celebrity comedians um talking about like why it's okay to say the n-word and he appeared in it as like the black person who was like i don't care yeah so i'm like chris rock take a seat maybe yeah you know yeah i don't have any firm stances on chris rock as a person um but i'm also not like on his side in this particular case because of the one defense i do have And this is not like a proper defense because he did have the option to just not say the joke, but he probably didn't write the joke. The Oscar jokes are written by other people. Yeah. And so I'm like, I think that's also why people are not going that hard on him either. They're they're, they're kind of like, listen, he like shouldn't have said the joke. And no, like a lot of us are not actually mad at Will Smith for his reaction to the joke, but also like Chris Rock isn't canceled for the joke is sort of no. the vibe that I get no, because no being canceled. he didn't write it. And who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. But um, leave Will Smith alone. Uh, yeah. And enough with the dramatic Twitter takes. Listener mistakes. This mistake is staying. It's a follow up from a mistake that was already written in. And then I think like it just dives deeper into it. But I haven't read the whole thing. So we'll see. Great. Said, hi, y'all. You read my mistake on the Britney episode, but said you needed to know more. In response to your request for more mistakes, here's the follow up. I was dating two people at the time of the threesome. Let's call them K and B. K was poly and secure in that. So when they asked me out after over a year of being friends with benefits, they said it would need to be poly. And I, never having been in any type of committed relationship, was very okay with that and willing to try any relationship structure. I hooked up with B about a week after that, and we quickly started dating. B had only ever been monogamous before, but was aware of my other partnership and down to try polyamory. Six months into our relationship, B and I went on a three-week three-week-long road trip from my hometown to theirs. K 
camping out in national parks and being overall incredibly sapphic. Over the course of the trip, B revealed how uncomfortable they were with my other relationship and that they have been trying to accept it, but they were, in actuality, not at all down for polyamory. In a last-ditch effort to save that part of our relationship, we had the notorious threesome with her old SAT tutor, who is older than both of us combined. Combined. To dive into that night, B and the tutor had a lot of sexual energy from Summer's past, and after we all grabbed dinner, which turned to drinks, which turned to two whole bottles of liquor down at the tutor's house, B and the tutor started making out. I offered many times to leave and let them go ahead, but B really wanted me there. So we all got naked and began an incredibly awkward threesome that kept stopping every time the tutor would go, I can't do this. You're my kiddo. To which we both immediately (laughs) would get turned off by as we were all adults. And also, what the fuck? If you really thought that, why are we doing this? Eventually, when we decided to stop for good, I was the first dressed and said I would wait outside. After 10 minutes, I looked up and saw through the window what appeared to be B's head in between the tutor's legs. In my drunken, angry stupor, I barged upstairs and said, Are we leaving or not? I'm not just going to wait outside and watch you eat her pussy. It was then revealed to me that my partner was in fact crying into the tutor's lap about not being able to be in a relationship with a poly person and how they loved me so much they were hurting themselves trying to do it. Thus, we have a series of mistakes. One, having a threesome to save a relationship. Two, being drunk and belligerent to my partner and inducing a screaming fight in the middle of the street after this encounter. Three, making the choice to break it off with my other loving and wonderful partner, Kay, and try out monogamy, which I very quickly learned was not at all for me, and I regretted not only two days after. Long story short, I'm single now and much happier for it. While I made a lot of mistakes in these relationships that I'm still dealing with the consequences of, I don't regret them as I learned so, so much about myself, my relationship style, and my needs. Love y'all. Always anonymous. Oh, damn. Thank you for um, giving us more context. Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad we got more context. And go listen to our Britney episode if you want to hear their original mistake. Um, Which, I mean, a lot of it, is covered like you can contextually piece a lot of what they said before together in this one but still go listen to the britney episode um yeah i mean trying to like crunch yourself into something that does not work for you in a relationship never works it just never never does so no relationships and friendships alike you need to um find people that want you for you and trying to like shape shift yourself into a puzzle piece that they're looking for is never gonna be rewarding in the end yeah but I do appreciate you saying that you don't regret any of it and you learn from it because I think all of us need to go through those experiences in order to be ready for whatever is right for us down the line it's a lot like this week's mistake (laughs) you like yeah I don't think that you um I mean a lot of people like you know I have friends that ended up married to or together forever with like one of their first relationships and like more power to them but I think the much more common reality is that we need to like fuck up a lot before we're really ready for like the relationship that is going to be right for us totally so I um appreciate your vulnerability and I appreciate uh your takeaways from it and I think a lot of us can relate to the essence of your mistakes even if not the specifics yeah but I honestly can relate to the specifics in, in some of the cases as well. Yeah, I can too. <laughs> Deep dive. Deep dive.
I mean, it's not that related, but it is in like in terms of like age different stuff. Um, I'll talk about a mistake I made in my love life at 18. Okay. Um, when I was 18, I got out of my first serious relationship. Um, we dated from when I was 16 until I was 18 and we were like a year and a half or two years apart in age. Um, because you know, when you're 16 and you're hopefully when you're 16 and you're dating, you're, um, not venturing too much older than yourself because you're still a fucking kid. But when, when we broke up, I was technically an adult and it occurred to me like, damn, this is my first time being single, um, since reaching adulthood. And technically that means any age for the first time in my life is on the table. And I just kind of, and I think a lot of 18 year olds go through this phase of like, I have been, um, you know, a kid my whole life. And like, you start having crushes on adults pretty young. They just hopefully don't reciprocate interest until you're an adult. Um, And hopefully even then don't reciprocate interest until you're like actually an adult and not just technically legally an adult. But I think any of us who have been a hot, sexy 18 year old at some point um, have come across the older adults that don't really give a shit about waiting until you're actually mature, which I don't actually think is um, inherently abusive or wrong. I just think that I personally wouldn't do that. (laughs) And there are cases where it is abusive and wrong, but like we've talked about on the podcast before that like just because someone is 18 and someone who's 34 fucks them doesn't mean that that 34 year old is like inherently a predator. Yes, Um, It's contextual. But that being said, if a 34 year old is only fucking 18 year olds, then we have a problem. Anyway, that wasn't the case in this situation. It was just like, I was um, working at this store where there were a lot of like I was the youngest person that worked there. A lot of the people that worked there, it was kind of like their job for many, many years. um, And they were all older adults. Like I would say the general age age range was 26 to like 40. And I was like an 18 year old working there and I'd been working there since I was 17. So all these adults actually knew me since I was underage. And now that I was single and I wanted to, like, be a hot slut on the town, I um, started, like, I went on Tinder because Tinder had just come out. And I started, like, hooking up with um, people that, like, went to college nearby or, like, hikers that were hiking through Vermont. Like, people that were just non-consequential kind of anonymous figures that I didn't ever have to really see or talk to again. Mm -hmm. But I also started just, like, being a flirty Felicia at my job um, because I had not yet learned the lesson of don't shit where you eat. And even though everyone tells you that, I think a lot of us need to learn that lesson for ourselves. And I don't think I've ever officially learned that lesson because I did recently kind of shit right, right <laughs> also, but not to this extent um, because this was messy, 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 messy behavior. So um I had multiple coworkers that were like pretty attractive guys. One I think was like 27 and the other was like 35 maybe. And I had been friends with them ever since I started working there. Um, but once I was single, I started like going like just like going out of my way to come to more of the after work hangs that a lot of them would have with each other. And I just became like kind of explicitly flirtatious um, out of the excitement of like now being 
in the adult dating pool and like kind of seeing what kind of attention I could get from other adults. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really think about what the long-term effects would be with these people that I like work with every day. The 20 something year old, um, was in a long-term relationship and, um, I didn't think it was like, I was like, whatever, I'm not trying to hook up with him. I just kind of like want to flirt with him at work. But then we started hanging out outside of work and we started like turning, started turning into one of those friendships where you could tell we both really like wanted to hook up and would like kind of come closer and closer to crossing that line every time we hung out, but like technically didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. But like he ended up like breaking up with his girlfriend because like our flirtation like made him realize that he didn't like her as much. And they were together for like, years like seven years or something like that and I was like holy shit I don't know about all of that like I don't know about having those kinds of consequences on like another person's life um and simultaneously the 30 something year old that I worked with um in retrospect was a little bit of a loser (laughs) and I say that with all the love in the world like he was smart and interesting and cool but like socially kind of a loser and very clearly didn't have a lot of prospects and like I was maybe among the more attractive people to like pay him much mind Mm -hmm. and we ended up like making out a couple of times outside of work we never had sex but he ended up like having like really serious feelings for me that like kind of occurred to me after the fact That like if he like I didn't really know this person and outside of just like working together and he was like much older than me and had like way too serious of feelings way too quickly for me. And I was like, oh, my God, these are like the beginnings of every story of like a woman getting stalked and murdered. Yeah. You know, like and he didn't ever show actual signs of that happening. But like just the fact that like I was kind of just on my journey of like feeling excited that like other adults like found me attractive and like playing the field. I like didn't really consider Mm -hmm. first making sure that like everyone was on board with what my intentions were. And I like accidentally played with this person's heart, but I also accidentally got myself involved with maybe a more unstable person than like me now ever would. Like there were probably signs there that I just didn't pay attention to because I was just excited about the attention. Um, And so then, yeah, he ended up like being like shitty to me at work because he resented that like I didn't like him back. And like at one point I made some kind of comment about like something like I was gossiping with another coworker about like a breakup that happened with a, a someone that we all knew. And I said just something about how like it seemed like this person was like being messy and just didn't care about other people's feelings. And he like overheard it and he's like, hmm, well, they're not the only one. Mm. And he like would say shit like that in front of like our oh, other God. coworkers. And I was like, damn, you are like in your mid thirties and you just let like an 18 year old girl make you feel this way. Like it's just like Ew. weirdo behavior. <laughs> Um, yeah, real, uh, like loser behavior, IMO. Um, but it taught me a lot. That whole experience, like accidentally kind of facilitating a long-term breakup and then like accidentally getting myself into this weird, like 30 year old drama. I was like, Ooh, I'm going to be a lot more, um, intentional and conscious about who I entangle myself with both in that I probably shouldn't hook up with coworkers, which, you know, I 
I still did that at like my next three jobs, to be honest. But I was mm. smarter about it. Yeah. I chose people that were down for the the deal, you know. Yeah. Um, and definitely have not gone around trying to just like. I haven't led people on in the same way. I've been a lot more upfront, and I've also just like been smarter about who I'm even entertaining it with. Yeah. But um, definitely big first year as an adult uh figuring out how to be in the adult world energy yeah and i look back on it and cringe pretty hard sometimes thinking about how he's just still out there in the world um and i'm like a, probably to him still like a major villain in mm. his like own history because he was like in love with me and i like you know my god <laughs> broke his heart but also weird weird of him in yeah. my opinion. Agreed. Very <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my deep dive. All right. Well, thank you for taking us on that deep dive. Best mistake. Much like your um, kind of like excitement for the level of excitement that came from that like validation. Um leading to an uncomfortable work environment, um, leading to something that just complicated your life in a way that it didn't really need to. This relates a little bit to uh, this week's mistake, which is um, Winona Ryder famously shoplifting um, in 2001, um, which then led, unfortunately to um, a cancellation, really, until she was finally cast in Black Swan, which then led to her being cast in Stranger Things. And now she is our weird darling again in Hollywood. Um, But let's get into it. So she famously, if you are a millennial or anyone who was alive in the early 2000s, you will remember this. Um, Winona Ryder in December of 2001 was arrested for shoplifting from Saks Fifth Ave um, in Beverly Hills. Um, And she was accused of stealing $5,500 worth of designer clothes and accessories from the store, which is honestly like so... It just adds to kind of the ridiculousness of this mistake because it's such a small amount of money for somebody of Winona Ryder's um, stature right. and background. And like, if you don't know, she was huge. Yeah. She was like in everything in the 90s. Yes. Um, which this, um, that adds to this. So for context, before this happened, Winona Ryder... She really hit the scene in 1988 when she was in Heather's, and that's when oh, she became Hollywood's like darling, weird, neurotic it girl. Wait, was she in that before she was in Beetlejuice? Because I feel like, I mean, Beetlejuice definitely made, like, I think Heather's made her an it girl, but Beetlejuice is what, like, put her on the map as far as, It was as, the like, same year. Okay. Um, well, that, that even adds to that, that, yeah. like... In one year, she was in two, like, such bizarre, dark movies that she was the main character of. Yes. Um, so, you know, that, like, cemented her... The, both those movies cemented her as being the it girl of the 90s. Um, she was 
engaged to Johnny Depp for three years, which made them like an it couple. She was getting nominated for Oscar. She was like the lead of everything. She was in Little Women in 94. That was her second Oscar nomination. Um, And so the 90s like really was her time. And then towards the end of the 90s, things started tapering off and she wasn't really the lead in anything for a few years. She had some supporting roles. She had a small role in um, one of the Alien movies with Sigourney Weaver, But she wasn't making the movies that she had been making. And then in 1999, she got cast as the lead as Susanna Kaysen in Girl Interrupted. Mm. And that like very much was supposed to be her comeback lead role. Um, Everyone thought that she was the girl who was going to win the Golden Globe and the Oscar that year. But instead of Winona winning it and solidifying herself as the comeback it girl, it ended up being Angelina Jolie who won the Academy Award and it became For the same movie. For, for the those same of movie, you who haven't seen it. And it became Angelina Jolie's coronation as becoming Hollywood's new it girl. And especially kind of in the same slot of like weird, dark, bizarre it girl who's also yeah. stunning and everybody desires. Which is crazy because the only one that should have won an Academy Award for that movie Brittany was Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she famously was not nominated, which is just uh, an injustice. Uh, disgusting. Absolutely terrible because Angelina Jolie cannot act. Well, also um, because like that movie was kind of like the beginning of the end for Brittany Murphy as far as like her mental health. Yeah. Because like that was the movie that like ended up... Um, like incentivizing her to lose all that weight yeah. and like try to be taken more, ugh, which she never should have. Like she was so beautiful, just like as herself. More, this is not a Brittany Murphy episode, but like justice for Brittany Murphy. It's horrible what Hollywood did to her and then what her fucking husband did to her. Yeah, absolutely terrible. But that movie, iconic. Yeah. So good. So when on a writer doesn't win for that movie, um, she then goes on to be in, um, shit, what, what is the movie with, um, sorry, what is the movie that she was in with, what's his name? Why am I forgetting this? Oh yeah. So she goes on to be in Zoolander, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> in 2001 and this is right before, um, she shoplifts and nothing like that doesn't really do anything for her career. Um, then she gets arrested. And uh, let me talk about the arrest before I get into more. So she gets arrested and some of the items that she steals or tries to steal are as follows. A cashmere Marc Jacobs sweater worth $760, hair accessories, and several pairs of socks. Um, and apparently... Th- People like believe that this wasn't the first time that she had shoplifted. Uh, she had also gone into another store earlier that day and stole items that she just got away with. And the like employees of the store watched her do it. So I guess like people in Beverly Hills, like in retail stores, already kind of had it out for her because they knew that she was shoplifting so much. Um, and that that's when Saks Fifth Ave decided that they were going to put a stop to it. Um, Apparently, she was, like, super sweet when she was detained. She was cooperative. She was, like, very cooperative during her, um, during the trial. Um, like, very quiet, very chill. Um, she, obviously, because she's a writer, didn't serve any prison time. The prosecutor wasn't even looking for prison time. She was on probation for, like, three or four years. Um, That's so long. Well, yeah, for stealing a, you know, a bunch of stuff. Um, 
Yeah, she was on probation for that many years. She had to do like 560 hours of community service. She completed 540 of it, and then they told her she didn't have to do any more. Um, but the real tea behind the scenes was that Winona Ryder had what was probably, she hasn't called it a drug problem herself, but Winona Ryder had a drug problem, which is what was going on. Um, in her purse, um, let's see. Um, what was found? So in her purse, they found Demerol, Percocet, and Vicodin, um, among other prescription meds, but she didn't have uh, any actual prescriptions for these meds. Um, years later, in an interview with Interview Mag, Winona Ryder went on to say that she was suffering from clinical depression at the time of the shoplifting, shoplifting incident and said that she'd been prescribed heavy painkillers by, in her words, a quack doctor, who later was identified as Jules Mark Lussman. Um, he ended up having his medical license revoked with the Medical Board of California, citing his unethical unethical catering to the rich and famous. Um, and Winona Ryder said that she believes the painkiller she was using significantly clouded her judgment, leading to her shoplifting incident. Um, a psychologist... Um, that was uh, called during the trial, um, went on to say that Ryder fit the traditional profile of a kleptomaniac um, and said, if you look at what what Ryder was doing with those clothes, which is she apparently was just going into, like very manically going into the fitting rooms of Saks Fifth Ave and just cutting tags indiscriminately off of the clothes and cutting the security things off, which damages the clothes itself. Yeah. So it's like, he goes to say that if you look at what Ryder was doing to those clothes, cutting holes in them to get the tags off, do you think she was going to wear them? No. They probably would have ended up in a heap in her closet. So it's clear that this was some like compulsive kind of like manic need to just experience some kind of like rush or something rush excitement control um, over her life at a time where she was not feeling excited or in control. Um, so the media went on to paint her as having a mental breakdown, but um, the Beverly Hills police said that they disagreed with this um, you know, they said again that she was polite and cooperative um, and Winona Ryder said, uh, in an, in an interview with interview mag, um, she said that the thing that happened, um, the thing that happened that led her to shoplifting, she said, I was starting to have some trouble before that. So this wasn't just like a mental breakdown that came out of nowhere. I was already struggling. Hmm. Um, and as, as, um, people who, covered the trial said journalists said that the way that she was being painted in the papers was unfair because she was extremely calm and composed while the trial was going on. Um, so hold on. So yeah, she ends up being sentenced to three years probation. Um, she serves 480 hours of community service and she has to pay three, $3,700 in fines and $6,300 in restitution to Saks Fifth Ave. Um, there was also like a very flippant free Winona movement that happened in which, um, a Hollywood gift shop owner by the name of Billy Tassangeris started printing free Winona t-shirts. Um, he said they took off and he claimed to receive a hundred calls a day about the shirts at the height of their popularity. Oh my God. How do we get our hands on one of those shirts? We're going to look it up. I, I um, absolutely need, we need to be wearing free Winona shirts like at gathering. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> Winona got in on the joke um, 
herself and ended up wearing a free Winona t-shirt on the cover of W Magazine. Yeah, I do. Actually, I remember that. I just didn't realize that those were shirts that like other people were wearing. I thought yeah. that was just like, you know, for that shoot. Yeah. Um, and so, as I said, she was already kind of like taking a hiatus from Hollywood before the trial. Um, but after her trial, she completely disappeared from Hollywood. She before had filmed a guest episode for Friends and Zoolander with both with which both came out after the trial. Um, And then after she was arrested, she didn't really do anything until 2006. And it was textbook cancellation. Um, It was just that she was considered too difficult to literally place like insurance policies on in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, And so nobody wanted to work with her for that reason. But Winona Ryder apparently had no problem with this. Um, She went on to say that she looks at her time away from Hollywood as a much needed break. She told Porter magazine that it allowed me time that I really needed. I went back to San Francisco and back into things that I just had other interests in, frankly. Um, She also said that her shoplifting was blown way, way out of proportion, that it didn't have the, effect on her life that the media made it seem like it did. You know, she, she says that it was not the crime of the century, the yeah. way that it was painted. Um, and then, you know, she returns to Hollywood in 2006 and then she leaves again because she says that when she returned to Hollywood in 2006, she says this in a Porter magazine interview, um, that no one knew how to embrace her. She said, people associated me with the 1990s and I wasn't that anymore. They didn't really buy me as my age. It's that line in the first wives club, which is there are three ages for women, babe, district attorney and driving Miss Daisy. I just never got to play that district attorney. Um, and she went on to say on another occasion, um, she said this to the New York times elaborating on Hollywood's inability to cast her that I went from weirdo teenager to pixie waif to them not knowing what the hell to do with me. But luckily, she was brought back when she starred in Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan, which uh, ironically, or maybe not ironically, I wonder if he wrote this character specifically for her. Um, But if you haven't seen Black Swan, the role that she plays is an aging ballerina who's resentful of being edged out of the industry by Natalie Portman's (laughs) younger ballerina self, who's like on the come up. Yeah. and I remember seeing that as a huge Winona fan and being like, oh, my God, this is her life. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, except not necessarily resentful of like a younger star. Yeah. Um, and then as we all know, because, you know, we've all most of most people listening to this podcast have been alive long enough to remember Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> I hope we all have. I hope we all I have. Ever, if you aren't, we're not alive for Stranger Things. <laughs> I hope you're not listening to this podcast. Turn off the podcast. <laughs> also, if you don't remember Stranger Things, I just hope that you do because it's it was a great show in its first season. The I'm, the promo for the new seasons are so funny. So funny. <laughs> it's like okay, this show should have been done a long time ago. Yeah, but absolutely. I'm still gonna watch. Same. I can't wait. Um. You know, she came back uh, with Stranger Things. It fully cemented her comeback um, by Possibly playing... a bigger mistake that she contributed to the um, Millie Bobby Brown industrial complex. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> she, you know, as we all know, she plays uh, the fiercely determined mother, Joyce, um, in an age-appropriate role, which is lovely. Ugh, and she's so good in it. She's, she's so good. She's been nominated for Golden Globes, SAG Awards, other accolades, like... She has been back on the come up. And I just love that it's 
both a role that allows her to be like um, yet again the weird it girl and it is age appropriate and it's like an interesting role um she's also um her love interest and like supportive man in that show is samwise from lord of the rings yes which is so important to me yes um and yeah so that is you know that's this week's mistake. I really wanted to call our, one of our friends mentioned it last night. Cause I was playing girl interrupted at the bar that I work at. And so we started talking about that and I wanted to cover it in general just for a pop cultural mistake. But also I just, I love her view on the mistake. It's very much how we view mistakes here on this podcast at best <laughs> mistakes, LLC, which is that like the mistake happened, but like, honestly, thank God because I, it taught me a bunch of shit about myself that I needed to learn anyway. Yeah. And the way that it made her a social pariah was actually great for her because then she got to like fuck off and go live her life for a few years and just do her own thing Mm -hmm. and come back and work when she was ready again. Winona, come on the pod. Come on the pod, Winona. Moral of the story. Well, what do you think the moral of the story is? I mean... I think the moral of the story is that our mistakes don't define us. And um, like you said, like often they lead to lessons that we wouldn't have otherwise learned and sometimes like opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise had in her case, like the opportunity, quote unquote, was like to just go live her life in a way that if she were still kind of like if Hollywood was still like dangling a carrot in front of her and giving her like, you know small roles on friends and like yeah like these little breadcrumbs of like you know you're kind of a has-been but you can stick around she might not have like taken that time for herself um so like sometimes our mistakes force us to do the scarier thing that like um we wouldn't have done on our own yeah um but also like as always the moral of the story is uh like the women yep (laughs) women (laughs) Women. Women. (laughs) That's it. Bye, guys. Kiss your friends on the mouth. Um, Women always are held to a higher fucking standard. Yeah. Uh, Like, there there are so many men in Hollywood that have made such more egregious mistakes Robert Downey Jr. was famously, at the same time, a few years before this, was famously fucking high on heroin in every movie that he was in. Sean Penn beat Madonna up. Like, within an inch of her life. And Chris Brown did that to Rihanna. Yeah. And... Um, plenty, like plenty of male celebrities have had weird run-ins with the law or like weird violent outbursts. I mean, such as Will Smith last night, Michael which Jackson I hope- dangled a baby over a fucking balcony, like, <laughs> which like technically there have been backlash for a lot yeah, of these things, but he still got to tour. Not <laughs> yeah, nearly. No. I mean, Michael Jackson diddled children yeah (laughs) (laughs) like what and and to this day there are people who will because i just said that on this podcast will like make it their life's mission to like cancel this podcast yeah like to this day there are defenders of um much worse actions by men roman polanski was given an honorary (laughs) award at the what golden globes or the oscars after he fucking fled the United States yeah, for raping a 13-year-old. Yeah. Like, yeah, so women. So women is the moral of the story. I, wanna, I mean, Can we edit fucking... in that clip of Sir Sharon and just saying women and little women? <laughs> in, in, in the same role that Winona Ryder yes. also played, yes. everything comes full circle. Iconic. Iconic. Um, 
Yeah, <laughs> women. Um, well, also, like, even if it were a worse mistake, I would still think that's the takeaway. Yeah. But, like, what she did was, like, not even, like, morally wrong in any way. No, she like, it was just stole clothes. It was illegal, yeah. but it wasn't, like, ethically wrong, in my opinion. If no. she, like, was stealing from, like, small business owners. From Saks Fifth Ave. <laughs> like, Saks Fifth Ave. And having to, like, pay, quote-unquote, restitution to them. Like, what actually... If anything, they got PR from all of yeah, this. Yeah, seriously. Like, that's very... Um, like, it's kind of... it's. It's very boss bitch anti-capitalist behavior of her, honestly, to destroy these clothes and not plan on even wearing them, but just steal them so that they can't make money off of them. Like, that's iconic. You're a queen, Winona. (laughs) She is. Oh, God. She was. And I think for a lot of us, um, she was part of my queer awakening for sure. I remember being like a little kid and watching Beetlejuice and being like, um, I don't really even understand what it is I'm feeling about this character, but I'm pretty sure it's a crush. Yeah, she um, she was uh, she was it for me. She, you know, I had like you know actresses I've go through in phases, but she was one of the ones I had the youngest, where I just rented every single movie she Same. was ever in from Blockbuster. Yeah, I I remember going to um Video World, which was our like movie rental place in my hometown, and um just like combing the aisles for just her face on the cover of things do yourself a favor go watch all of her movies specifically mermaids that that is one of my favorite winona roles ever um it's just ultimate weird girl yeah that that movie had a serious impact on the kind of girl that i am she's also a huge like she was the inspiration for when i first cut my hair into a pixie cut because she was like such a pixie cut queen her yeah. her and natalie portman who we yeah. also mentioned um they their pixie cuts like changed my life and i was like okay time for me to have short hair and um try to channel any amount of their charisma and bone structure yeah <laughs> uh love you natalie portman love also you, watch uh, uh not, and and obviously winona rider but natalie portman also recently was in a film where she plays a like aging star that like resents her own oh yeah aging it's a rock out. and roll movie right yeah and i just love that like that black swan that. wasn't even that long ago like that's how quick the expiration is yeah. for women that you go from being the come up queen that's edging someone else out to being the one that's edged out yeah like wait hold on when did black swan i think 2012 I mean, it came wait um yeah 2010 2010 so 12 years ago but still like uh, a, a man no that's what i'm saying it's like a man Man would still be a leading man yeah. and is still like is still a leading man and is still a sex symbol. If he was in 2012, he still fucking is. But it's not moral of the story. Women. Um, and speaking of women, watch uh, Winona Ryder's Little Women. The uh, oh my the blueprint. The, I mean, there's so many of them, but that is the blueprint of like the that's the beginning of Little Women being like a feminist movie. Go watch it. I mean, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous women are little. Um, <laughs> yeah, damn. Love you, Winona Ryder. We love you. And um, thank you. Um, thank you, Bestie Carrie, for making me um, think to cover this. Shout out. Shout out to Carrie for coming all the way from Chicago for my birthday this week. Shout out. We love you, Carrie. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's all I really have to say. On this famous debacle. Did you, in just in the moment, list your sources? Is that what was happening? Wikipedia. 
Um, and let's see. Um, Ranker, just a Ranker article called um, Why No One in Hollywood Cast for Known Writer Until Stranger Things by Veronica Walsingham. And that's all. Amazing. Um, yeah. Well, with that, test your holes. Test your drugs. And write us your mistakes, by the way. Write but us your mistakes. <laughs> Leave us a review. Bestmistakespod at gmail.com. Um, and kiss your friends on the on mouth. mouth. We love you. We love you.